and we're going. <laughs> Alright, well welcome back to uh, to part two uh, of having lunch. Back. We're doing it uh, dinner style this time, just the way the schedule's worked out, I guess. Yeah, it happens. We were having a little uh, dim sum Chinese food. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I tasted a little bit before we started and it can is we actually Can we actually start off yeah. with how do you feel about Chinese food since coming back yeah. last semester abroad? Can we start there? Yeah, we definitely can. Okay. So I would say the two-part answer to this. Uh, the first part is that it's very, my answer is going to be very intertwined with uh, the fact that I've become vegetarian for since May. For reference, where were you studying abroad again? I was studying abroad in Hong Kong. Uh, I was there for about five months, but I really spent like actually about half the time uh, traveling to a bunch of different countries in Asia. Um, a little spicy, like they're so good. Yeah, this is so good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The uh, the noodles are, are Shanghai uh, type noodles. They're like peanut noodles. They got a little bit of a kick to them. Uh, very very tasty. Um, we got some. We got these like sesame buns with red bean paste. So when I was abroad, I used to eat um, just like my friends and I would just eat a I crazy quantity of pork like buns. That's what we would eat. This could be like this is more of a dessert. The pork uh, buns are like. Meal, snack, whatever. How are they sold? So like, where are you getting them? <laughs> they're sold everywhere, like railway stations, on the like street, street cart style. Street, some street carts, sometimes yeah. restaurants. Like the okay. best ones that I've had are a place called Tim Ho Wan. Um, that's the best restaurant I've had. But there was a place in Taiwan on the street where we just got these, just like they were large and soft uh, pork buns. They were like milky white, and they were just crazy. But Tim Owan is most similar to this, like kind of hard exterior with uh, coated in like sugar. It's, That's not what I imagine pork one. I imagine it being like steamed. There are some steamed ones also. Yeah. So yeah, so sometimes they're steamed and then sometimes they're uh, crusty like this. I would say most most pork ones are like steamed. And would you just grab them on your way places? I, we would just grab them all the time. We'd be playing basketball outside and we'd just be like, ah, let's go grab some pork buns for that's, a snack. That's like, such right. a, like, yeah. that's like such an interesting difference. Like that's yeah. the kind of thing you don't think about, but like yeah. a big lifestyle difference. Yeah, you know? very big lifestyle difference. I would difference. never do that ever. I know, but you do in Asia. There's no, yeah, awesome. imagine no milk products. That's really what you have to consider. Why? Because like 90% of the populace is lactose intolerant. So there's just like, <laughs> yeah, I know, that one. Yeah, that's, that's, like, like, that's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy, right? It's insane. Why? Just, Why just is that? Yeah. Because if, so have you read Gun, Guns, Germs, and Steel? I know. So it, it's a fantastic book. I, we won't uh, dive too deep into it now, Guns but basically because of where animals were domesticated, like they didn't have access to, like, oh yeah, that looks fantastic. Um, in another life, I would go ham on that. So but, much um, like without ham. Oh, eight, nine, eight, eight, nine, nine at this point. Yeah. Nine. Crazy that it's nine now. Yeah. Crazy usually, when I, I usually just say six months or a year. Like I don't really get too. Nine is, middle, is right in the middle yeah. there. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. What sparked that, that change, by the way? And you, you mentioned you mentioned there were two factors that yeah. uh, altered your perspective on like Chinese food in America. Okay. Yeah. One of them was becoming vegetarian. Was becoming vegetarian. Um, so yeah. How, yeah, what is that? What so, yeah, so I, I can talk about that. So, it's something that has like been on my mind for a little bit of time, mostly because of a few friends of mine uh, from my gap year who like really were pretty, became ardent, <laughs> ardent vegetarians uh, and were like always pushing this kind of stuff. And I was like, nah, I like meat too much. Like I don't have to think about it. And I, and I pretty much like avoided it. But in Asia, 
I have so two of my very close friends from my gap year who've been vegetarians since the gap year, so like two and a half years of vegetarian, both decided to eat meat in Asia. Uh, because you have to. I mean, uh, yeah, you I think have that's to. a great call. I think, I think it was a fantastic call too. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then both of them were like, we're going to go back to being vegetarians afterwards. So, okay, that was something on my mind. Like, that's, that's a possibility. And then I went, there was a few moments where, I mean, first of all, the quantity of meat that I ate in Asia was, was crazy. Like, just like every day, multiple times a day, because that's what every meal has. Did you feel less healthy? I felt probably less healthy for other reasons, just like lots of drinking <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. and just overall overeating, but maybe that was kind of part of it. Um, and just like, I remember one time in Vietnam, we were, we were motorcycling around and there was this like big truck with like two layers of pigs and like they were just spraying them with a hose of water. And it was That's like, horrific. It was, oh, oh my God. And I was like, oh God, this is horrible. At least um, in America, it's very distant from us. You very know? distant. Very <laughs> distant. It was not there. Um, like in like Cambodia, there's <laughs> like chickens running around places and like wet markets where like literally all the animals were just like killed that day. Um, so I'd rather have to be very authentic yeah. and like farm style and like like have a cow get killed like a hundred yards away. Yeah. Or have it be like the, as pull, like as far away from that as it possibly be. Yeah, like in America. Yeah, where we where just like, don't think about it at all. Yeah, where it's because like at least then we don't think about it. But like I I see how I would have trouble. We'll grab the table. Yeah, I see I would have trouble with the I guess animal cruelty aspect yeah. of it if it was put in front of my face. You yeah. know, and which I guess yeah. is I guess that's the benefit of like having the documentaries and things like that in the yeah. U.S. because. That's just a way of like bringing awareness to a lot yeah. of people who just don't really care. And I've, I've seen those and they were troubling, but I always avoided them until I went actually on a silent meditation retreat in Indonesia. And was it Vipassana? It was not Vipassana, because um, Vipassana ones are 10 days. Mm. So this was, I just went for like two and a half days. And something, this is I think probably the best song of the album. It's very Tame Impala. Very Tame Impala. Yeah. Uh, we're listening to the new Tame Impala, by the way. It <laughs> came out like it said, what, Saturday night, Friday night? I think Friday. Very recently. Yeah. Um, oh, so like you're with yourself and only your thoughts for two and a half days. And so because it was something on my mind, like you can't run away and be like, oh, I got to plan this next trip or I got to do this, do that. Like, no, you are here in a jungle in northern Indonesia. <laughs> like you, you just... You're with your thoughts. And Mountains I, or what was the jungle? Jungle. I was uh, like in the like buggy, like no, a little buggy. So I had to sleep in, in like a net. Uh, I slept in a net. Interesting. To, I always imagine the sound of trees as being in the mountains with like monks. So it's mean? it's a mountainous region, but I just remember my lookout. Uh, I was staying on the second floor of like they had like these like bunks. Think about like summer camp bunks, and my room had three walls. You had the front door, two sidewalls, and then a balcony overlooking the canopy top of the forest, uh, of the jungle. Like very beautiful? Like stunning. Like cool. absolutely stunning. I have, I, love my, I have it on my phone. I'll yeah. show you after the podcast. Or I, you know what? Let me pull that right now, honestly. I could walk up to the camera and just show. Because these, these I pictures... I think that's another thing that just added an after the time, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, cool. So we'll, we'll just uh, we'll throw a picture up while I'm, while I'm talking about nothing right now. Uh, let's see if I can let's see if I can get this. Uh, this is the room. This is the view from my room in the morning. That's so From my bed. Took this picture from laying down in my bed. That's crazy. That's crazy, right? 
we'd wake up at 5.30 every morning to a gong. And I was asleep by 8 p.m. because it gets dark and I'm, you know, gotta go to sleep. You're not doing anything. Not doing anything, no. I was, it was like, I was sleeping 8.30 to 5.30. Wow. What was getting nine hours of sleep, nine hours of sleep, perfectly healthy, and like you're up. I like at my first meditation session at like 6 a.m. I was like in bed for like 20 minutes watching the sunrise, and then I would like run, there was like a outdoor hut area where, which was the central area, and that's where, you know, they'd bang the gong, and then they'd have, everyone was there. It was, it was such a cool community, because no one knew anyone else, and no one was talking with anyone else, but we were all there, and we were all there just to, you know, be at peace and alive. Did you talk with anyone on the way in or way out? I talked with someone during check-in. There was one uh, Brazilian woman uh, who I talked with at check-in. And that was it? That was it, yeah. So you were there for two and a half days, yes? Mm -hmm. How long do you feel you could have done it? Maximum length of time. It's a good question. When when does it stop being, when does it it stop being beneficial? When does it stop being good? So that's a good question. I think I didn't really get to the point and I, I'm not sure if I wanted it my first time, but maybe I'll want it another time, where I was like, oh my God, this is too much, I gotta get out of here, and then still have to push through. Like the first day, I did it, uh, and then the second day, like in the middle, it started, I was like, oh my God, this is so long, it's so much, so much meditation, so much yoga, and just like no connection to anything else, but then I was like, you know what, I got like 24 hours left, I gotta just like enjoy it. Um, so it's- so if there was another day or two in there, I, it would've, it would have been a different experience. It would have been more, I felt a little bit, I felt challenged, right? It's a challenging thing, but it wasn't, I didn't like despair or was like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm here for another week. Like I could see that happening. You're on a 10 day thing. You start off like three days really strong. You're like, holy shit. I got to do that three times over right now. I feel like after you reach the point where it's like, this isn't fun anymore. I think if you push through that for like, two days on like a really long one yeah or at least that's when they say you hit like yeah zen, you know yeah like that's when it starts being like like it's only after it sucks that it gets helpful yeah like, a little you, bit yeah like, did you reach that like did you learn anything did you did you improve did you reach a point where yeah. it's like like i know what i want to do with the rest of my life yeah like, i found peace like uh i, I don't think it was life-changing yeah Except for the fact that, like, I left the retreat. I was like, I'm gonna become vegetarian when I when I leave this. Um, that's awesome. So, that. And and that, so I mean, if if that's what you're looking for from life changing, but I think I just was like overall that's at peace. That's big Yeah, sure. I guess it's life changing. It, I guess it's, it doesn't seem life changing to me because now it's so natural. Like, of yeah. course, like that's what I'm doing. But uh, I guess it changed my life in a lot. Like, I'd be eating that rib right now. Yeah, my life would be notably different if I. If I you didn't eat meat, either. Yeah. Uh, so that's the first long-winded answer to uh, how my view on Chinese food has been different because a lot of it was engaging <clears throat> with meat products on a, da- on a daily basis. Uh-huh. Um, and the second thing is just like the quality is somewhat less good in reality and also less good, like by perception of it is less good. Like as you were saying, there's something about authenticity that just is fantastic to me. Like I love being in street food markets and there's all the food around the place and all the vendors and you just like choose. I have like visions of like in Taiwan, the night markets, just like the best Chinese food ever. And like hundreds of stalls. 
I literally had the best piece of chicken of my life in Taiwan at a market, and they had these scallion pancakes. And the they single had, best piece of chicken. The single best piece of chicken of my life. Like. Crispy and and juicy at the same time. Like what and flavor? Just, like what, what was how was it prepared? You know, it was prepared by probably being deep fried for a long time. It was literally a thirty minute line for this chicken stand. Uh, at the night market, and, and we met a, a local person there that like took us, uh, and it was fantastic. What do you mean, met a local person? My, one of my friends knew someone who was from Taiwan, okay. and they were local to the area. They lived in Taipei, and they were like, "This place is the place to go." And then we went, and we waited on thirty-minute lines. So it was like it wasn't we were following a bunch of like white people in baseball cow or whatever. Yeah, it was like. People that are from Taiwan are like online here, and some tourists. But so, how was your experience in Taiwan like better and more engaging because of that person? Because visiting visiting with a local is so different than visiting yeah. on like a tour. Yeah, so you're going to do very different things. My time in Taiwan was most of the time I was not with this person. I think we were with her just for one night. I motorcycled down the. Um, we we took a train down the coast. And then motorcycled around the the big national park in Are the south. You on your own motorcycle? Yeah, yeah. It, it was it was crazy. I didn't know how to ride. It was two dollars for like a day, and <laughs> the people $2? didn't speak English. They didn't like ask us if we knew how to ride motorcycles. My friends are fucking. I mean, it's good for me because I'm like more. I would have been more risk averse. This is like the first trip. I was like, I don't know if I want to do it, but I think they exerted a very positive influence on me. It was just like, ah, oh, fuck it. Let's just take these motorcycles. You know. And how'd that go? Really, really well for for really the most part. There was one scare about running out of gas in the middle of mountains, and one time where we almost got hit by a bus curving around this like up a mountain around a curve, like supposed to be. A, it's a it literally barely a one way road, but like traffic coming in both directions, and like it was just insane. Jeez, we ended up like backing up with our motorcycles up this hill as like a bus tried to get around the corner. On the side of like an actual like mountain cliff. Was the bus like stopping for you and like slowing down, or was it kind of just rolling? There was a car in front of us that almost hit the bus and then almost went off the mountain. Jesus, I mean, it was it was fucking crazy. At first time ever riding motorcycles. Yeah, it was great, and then I did it in a bunch of other countries with no incidents wow. on my behalf. I had one friend when I was with him literally hit a truck. Crash. <laughs> Crash! They was motorcycle. Was motorcycle and went and like got it repaired. It was Jesus. terrifying. <laughs> Jesus and one other dude like fell off and like scraped his leg, but otherwise it was all good. It was a very light crash. It was like non-highway. It was just like a turn, like a bump. I mean, a bump with a, a van is a, is big, but not. It wasn't horrible. Thing. That's like. literally insane. That's an insane thing to do. I guess that's pretty insane. No, I guess, yeah, I mean, I'm glad I, I'm glad it, it happened. I was very into the prospect of owning a motorcycle until I started looking into like crash statistics. And oh, it's just it's so crazy. scary. Yeah. I'm gonna eat this bun, by the way. So this is crazy good. No. Mm. Anyways, so back to the non-vipassana retreat. Mm -hmm. In so were you with monks? First of all. Not monks. Okay. They were not monks. They were. They, it was not like associated with a specific denomination. There were a few teachers that were there, or guides. I think they called them. 
or, or like one of them was like a yogi and one of them was like uh, some, you know, they, what, I don't, they have their own titles, but they would lead sessions. I would say half the sessions were fully silent. And then the only words I heard during the entire two and a half day period were from uh, those people when they were leading like a guided yoga specifically. Hmm. So to what extent were these people like model human beings, you know, would you want to be like, like, were they very at peace? Did you find them to be like, like impressive mm-hmm. in any way? I didn't really get to know them. I didn't get to talk with them. Um, they seemed pretty impressive. But they I didn't mean, just have like a vibe of like, they did. Yeah. yeah. I mean, one, one of the women for sure. I was like, wow, like she's definitely, she's living a great life. I mean, she's staying for free at this beautiful place in Northern Denpasar, getting free food, meditating all day, and just like living a great life. And like, she basically was like, would like lead like two classes a day and stay for free. Do they have activities there? <laughs> yes and no. Sometimes we mean by activities. Like there's a big, there's a, there's two different like hikes and hiking paths you could do. I went on like a two hour hike one of the days, just alone, just like walk through the jungle. Incredible. Like really, really incredible. I've never like hiked alone like that before for like multiple hours. Like no, I didn't have a phone on me. I mean, there's a path, but you knew there was a path. path. Yeah, there was, a, there was like uh, tree marks and like, you know, things like that all over. And they had a hot springs that was not too far away. So I went to uh, the hot springs. That's awesome. And it was like a na- there was natural hot springs by the river. It was crazy. And then there was like a big. Then there's like all these fields that you could just kind of walk through. And they had like a group walk one night at like right as this after the sunset. Like everyone was walking through at night through this field. It was just amazing. Your experience abroad actually sounds like the most ridiculous thing of all time. Like more so than more so than most that I hear. Because you just did ridiculous things, you know? <laughs> like, it's, like, I don't know, you normally hear about, like, people, like, having, like, going to crazy parties, yeah. like, that kind of I mean, thing. that happened, I, that happened, I'm sure, too. I'm yeah. sure that happened, too, yeah. but, like, that's ridiculous, you know? Mm-hmm. I think my experiences in nature and, like, doing risky things were more impactful to me, but my mindset was just the entire time, no responsibility, say yes to everything, do crazy stuff. And or do whatever I want. Like, what did you, what did you, what was like, you know, top three takeaways? Like, what did you learn about yourself? From all of abroad? Yeah. Or from, like, how did you change as, as Ben Kosowski? I learned to, I learned to detach from like responsibility in a way that I'd never done so before. And, and just like be, understand that like I am completely free to do whatever I want, whenever I want. I think that was definitely one of my biggest takeaways. Uh, I think I learned a lot about myself in that I really got to enjoy spending time alone in like such a cool or powerful way that I think I had not done so much of in college. And I like never, I didn't, didn't always make the time for myself. I, I think there were periods of time in college where I did, but definitely periods where I just like kind of neglected that. 
and was just like always doing, doing, doing. So like I felt really able. I mean, I didn't go to class, so I felt very able to just take a day in Hong Kong and just hang out in bed and just like read a book. Like I read so many books uh, and like listened to so many podcasts that I just like, and I just like made a lot of new friends. I think I had to remind myself of that I had that skill because it had been a while. Or because I hadn't met, settled in. Settled I settled, settled in at WashU, like I and I. It's yeah, been yeah, and it was cool to just do some, be somewhere completely else, and and just have I don't know, it was very cool. So, I think a good transition here is like how is that similar, and how is that different to your ideal life? What does your ideal life look like? And then I think there maybe we talk about ideal societies. Okay, my my idea of progression. Yeah, I'm gonna probably jump very quickly to ideal societies though. Okay. What, what I'll say about my ideal life, um, and I, I would like to hear your response also before I go to ideal societies, but like a lot of it is up in the air. Like I think the things I want in my ideal life are community. I want a strong community, something where I, I, I felt really for the first time this semester um, doing the coaching kids basketball like really genuinely happy and excited and ex still excited for like the next game and to give back to something. Uh, I think some, I felt a similar way uh, in like or some organizations that I've been on campus, but this was like helping people who I have no connection to. So you additionally feel like you're making a difference. Yeah. Yeah. That's I, So part of your ideal life is you want to make a difference. You want to make an impact. Yeah. You want to do something positive. So yeah, my, my I'm going to kind of borrow from the first blog post I, I wrote. You wrote, it's not borrowing. It's not, I guess it's not borrowing. Um, but I want to make an impact and I want to have, I want to pursue values and, and acquire knowledge and engage with knowledge. Um, and that that's everything. That's like listening to new music and like talking about it or seeing new art or like watching a great TV show or like reading a great book documentary, whatever it is, like I want to be around knowledge and I want to continue, I want to cultivate knowledge and I want to build a value system for and continue updating my operating value system. So for you, knowledge is interlinked with culture, is a, is a like, Ooh. is an umbrella for both? Because I've never, well personally I've never characterized music as knowledge, but it definitely is. Or if I was thinking about knowledge in terms of something like music, I would think about music theory and mm -hmm. like the way notes and things fit together as opposed to just like sound. The word that I use is content. I love the word content. Like I think if you, like there's, there's a, a question that is that I ask like kids uh, at like Rush. And I'll I also like the word content by the way. Yeah, I'm like, word. tell me something, like you're in a room with a hundred people, like what are you uh, like better than everyone else at? Or like no more than other people at like something like that. That's a tough question like, for a lot of people. Answer. It's tough for a lot of people. I, I would say my answer is probably like absorbing at content. Uh, probably something related to absorbing content, and then maybe allowing that content to like filter in. Like I'm always just like trying to do new things and dive deeper and just like have more and have that update. I, mean, I think maybe I would oh, say I'm still? best at being focused on it. Interesting. Uh, best being focused on learning. On learning all the time. 
learn like I, I think there's a way in which listening to new songs is learning and then obviously there's a great like I think more direct learning might be like reading a new book uh, on like a different topic but like I, I oftentimes find having new conversations is learning as well it should be ideally everyone's got something to teach you mm -hmm. for sure that's like that's like one of the big life lessons so back to the values thing to what extent are but to what extent do you feel long term your values are going to be rooted in the uh, like the very like orthodox regimented Jewish set of beliefs you erase them how is like what long like what kind of extended effect do you see that happening so consciously very little okay um, subconsciously I don't know that's that's hard to say yeah, of um, course. but I think probably to some extent but ultimately I do like some of the traditions and I do associate with a lot of the values of Judaism uh, and a lot of the values that I was raised with just not all of them and by the very fact of saying not all of them that's the biggest break with orthodoxy right because orthodoxy is all or all or nothing that's or at least way to put that. Really so so I think the biggest clear break I have with my value system growing up is that I don't feel like any of it's inherently valuable and I would never want my kids to to think that it is. So you want your kids to have the freedom to question things that maybe was not afforded to you from a very young age. Yes, and I, I don't know how that will play out, but my answer is probably yes. Like I may end up over correcting and like we'll see like I think one of the things about parenting is just like you don't know <laughs> until you start yeah. and then like the first kids go in and you're like is this too much too little but like I would not be surprised if I kind of and over you know you have a grown human that's just been yeah imbued with all of your you know all of your stuff or or hopefully imbued with the idea that they can challenge any of your stuff um, at any time um, or like challenge anything that they've been taught at any time Yes. I just wonder to the extent that would manifest itself positively. You you know, you wouldn't make for a great, you know, classroom student if you're thinking that way. I was never a great I mean I was depends I was if I'm great. If you find great as like sometimes sitting in the back and doodling on my um, like whatever paper or sometimes sitting in the front of the classroom and answering more than fifty percent of the questions, like that was me. And I don't imagine I'll raise easy to be with teenagers, but I don't think I'm optimizing for that either. Good. Okay. So how does your, I mean, how does, how does, so, well, can we summarize? So your yeah. ideal life is having strong set of values, having a forum to make an impact. Yeah. And I would say having, good, good, yeah. having the perspective to always be learning and acquiring knowledge. That works. I, the way I would frame it would be more like if a values, community, impact. Okay. And impact includes like at work and like feeling challenged and satisfied at work. Like I think that includes impact because that's what I'm, you know, you'll be doing, I'll be doing for a lot of my time. What do you think in terms of being more like centered in reality? Like ideal life in terms of uh, less abstract in terms of like practical day-to-day -day. like what are you doing where are you living yeah yeah what are the factors that influence that you know 
It's funny because... And then how does that yeah. change if you were in your ideal society? <laughs> okay, okay, I'm gonna answer the first question. Then I'm gonna make you answer, okay, and then okay. I'll and then I'll give you my uh, idealized society. Okay. So, what my day to day looks like, I have a really good sense of it. I think for like when I'm in my thirties and forties, Tofu's fantastic. Okay, uh, you want there's a little more in there. No, no, that's for you. I'm not so, a Tofu guy, but uh, it's good Tofu. I am a Tofu guy now. I never was, but it, it's good. Um, I have a good sense for when I'm in my thirties and forties because. I like kind of saw my parents go through it and like people a little bit younger than them and I like know kind of the deal like I want to come home I want to try and have like family dinner at like seven every night or something and then like put the kids to sleep and then I could do it right like that's kind of and then like on weekends I want to be like super casual like hopefully well if I'm in some kind of Jewish community then I imagine like a Shabbat lunch and, and even the idea of having a Shabbat like atmosphere is somewhat intriguing to me. Um, also somewhat repulsive, but also somewhat intriguing. Um, and I just think I might have to live with that cognitive dissonance, or, or we'll see. Um, <laughs> I mean, we'll see, I, I don't know. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, depending on what kind of community I'm in. <laughs> um, I like that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, so I, I have a good sense of that. And then, I just don't really have a great sense for like early 20s, pre-marriage, pre-kids. I, I don't have a sense for at all pre-kids. Like once you have children, then your life starts becoming a lot more regimented because like you want to be home and around the kids. But pre-children and then like pre-marriage, pre-children are like some interesting periods. So I, I truly don't know exactly what my life will, all I have for reference is this past summer where I had a fantastic time, but uh, I didn't like settle into long-term routines. Well, of course not. Uh, yeah, it was just there for, a, there for a summer. So, I mean, I don't really have a good sense of what, like, the 20s, like, the, the next five-year period will look like. But I, I also think that's an ambiguity. I think it's, uh, it's, it's, I like that it makes, it's like the good type of anxiety. That's, that's how I It's excitement. It. Yeah, it's excitement, but with all, it's, it's, it's not like pure excitement. I know every, I mean, I, Because it's I, a little scary. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure things will be pretty good. But there's lots of opportunity for things not to be good. Well, I mean, it's like some things are gonna be good, some things are gonna be bad, you know. Because it makes it fun. Yeah, but that's that's also a guarantee. You know, there's yeah. always gonna be some of both. Which is yeah. I, does that kind of removes anxiety for for men? When you take the step back. Yeah, it's like no matter what I'm doing, some of it's gonna be good and some of it's gonna be bad, and like yeah. it's kind of just like you know. Kind of just that's the deal. Just, that's just the deal of literally yeah. everything you're gonna do. So like. Like, do you worry, like, is the whole thing going to suck? Like, no, it's never going to yeah. happen, because that's not how... It's because we're programmed, yeah. right? We have these reference points where everything is just going to adjust to our expectations before. So if things are going shitty, our expectations are going to be lower. And then if they continue going shitty, our expectations are going to go lower and lower until they reach the new median, and then things will get right. Like, that's just... Yeah. Then the expectations will be too low. And then things will start going better, and then we'll be happy. And, then <laughs> and then it'll it's just adjusting. adjusting yeah. And that's our whole life is just it's just writing out reference points. Um, but I think the key to living Holy a good life, yeah, I think the key to life. one of the keys to living a good life is being able to first of all recognize reference points and like mentally adjust them sometimes, or like manually adjust them uh, when they need to be adjusted. Like sometimes expectations are just like too high for something, and it's just like okay, I just like need to adjust for like all, like lots of things could go and like telling myself that. You just need a reality works. check. Re it, like, yeah. rea so reality check is the word 
the correct English is word. Is the colloquialism. Is it, yeah. yeah, but I would say it's just like a reference point yeah. adjustment is the terminology it. I would use. But yeah, like reality that. check I mean, too. It's, it's more, I, I think it views things more rationally. Yeah. Because a reality check has a very like emotional kind yeah. of, you know? But I, I think ultimately like one of the keys for my happiness, and a that's not to say I'm always happy. Yeah, really adjusting like reference points really and like then that. savoring it when things outpace your expectations and not dwelling on it too much, especially not like looking back and, and worrying so much when things don't meet your expectations. So that's that's like a, I really like that kind of viewpoint because it makes you kind of just take a different look at, let's say an experience that is supposed to like develop you as a person is mm -hmm. something like going to the military. Yeah. But okay. from, from this kind of line of thinking, what that really is doing is it's just setting your expectations for things lower or different. And Different, different, and like giving you a higher capacity to deal with hardship, let's say. Yeah. But Which is a really useful tool. It's a reference point tool. It's like elasticity of a reference point across the spectrum of being able to deal with tough situations. So that's that's setting your reference point here and saying, I expect things to be this good, and then having the capacity to be like, but if they're this bad, then I can deal I can with get it. Through. Right? It's the same way that when you pamper children too much and don't let them have any harm, then they don't have any like flexibility, like their, their reference point is things are always gonna be like super comfortable and everything's gonna be taken care of. And then when they face hardship, it's really, really hard. Because and then the reference point, point drops and they've just got no capacity. And then, and and then it's really hard. And then they're just depressed. Yeah, but then they'll adjust. Then they'll probably adjust, but they will go through a very rough period when they first have to face hardship. Because like that band of the reference points. So and I think reference points are made up of a whole host of different factors. Um, and they're different for each, each person and different ways for each person. But, you know, having certain experiences can give you more elastic on your reference point in some ways. So this like ties in super well to my, like one of my favorite quotes, and it's from Jerry Seinfeld. It's from Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. Okay, yeah. And it was the episode with Kevin Hart, which I think is pretty funny. Uh -huh. but, like Jerry's basically explaining to Kevin Hart that like because Kevin Hart was telling a story about how he took his kids to where he grew up uh -huh. and that his kids were like oh this is so cool this is where dad grew up and Kevin Hart was like this is not bless I was trying to car like get back in the car like, yeah. leave it like, we're done here and Jerry Seinfeld goes that's because the struggle for us was things are bad so we need to make it better yeah and the struggle for our kids is going to be things are good, so why do I feel so bad? Yeah. And I think that's just that's the a most, line. That's just the most like succinct way of that's like expressing that sentiment. He said that. Brilliant. I was like, yeah. I was like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. He's a smart guy. Um, He's a really smart guy. But in terms of like reference points, if you wanted to put it in that perspective, I guess that's because you're starting with a higher reference exactly. point, and then when things start going kind of bad, yeah. you're just like, what? Like this feels yeah. terrible. Like what's happening? Uh -huh. Versus, like, if you grow up in a really poor neighborhood or poor family or something like that, and you're used to seeing these types of things, and you're able to escape that, life must be so amazing. Yeah. Like, if you spend, um, I'm failing a little bit, if you spend 20 years, uh, like, living in just, like, in destitution and, like, having, like, to see your parents work, like, multiple jobs and always stressing about, like, working paycheck to paycheck, and you're able to escape that, 
That's make crazy. it establish a good life for yourself. Yeah. I imagine you're just looking around going like, this is pretty great. Pretty like, great. I feel like I did something yeah. pretty big. Here. Much more so than if you just like were over. Than if you're just a kid born in that house yeah. and you're yeah. like, yeah, this is a house, but this all like everything yeah. else sucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then you're always going to be chasing because then they'll be like, oh, what about the guy next door's house? And you're just like, are you fucking kidding me? Like I grew up in like whatever. Like my grandfather grew up in like a one bedroom apartment with like five people. And it's like, having the breadth yeah. of experiences because I think having things compare, I think having comparison points for yourself means you have to compare to other people less probably. I comparing to other people, yeah. but comparing to other people is generally just bad practice because like that just makes you unhappy. Because there's always other people who have something that you don't. Yeah. So I it's think better to compare to yourself at in the past as opposed to doing that. Like yeah. other people in the present, and I think that's easier done when you have yeah. when you're our parents and have that breadth yeah. of experiences. This is a hard thing for me because I fail at this time after time, but I generally try to not compare myself to other people at all. I would imagine most people, particularly uh, in our age group and in our environment, that's probably something a lot of people struggle with. Yeah. Just thinking like, hey, like I've got it good, or like thinking like, like, like what's the best I can do with this thing as opposed to thinking like, why try it that someone else is better? Yeah. Yeah. I think. I think exactly. I think maybe even with this podcast, like, I don't know, maybe other people could be better, but like... 100% other people yeah, are better. Yeah. But the thing, the other thing that helps me a lot of times is those other people probably weren't better when they started. Or if they were, yeah. maybe only a little bit, they probably yeah. just look bad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the Joe Rogan first podcast was, was I mean, I, it's great now, but... Yeah, I mean, I've never seen the very first episode, but I bet it was terrible. It was horrible. Yeah. I, watched, I watched the beginning of it. Really? And it's just not watchable, right? I'm gonna do that. That's that's fun. Yeah. And at least think watching this is won't, won't be so bad because we're eating food. So it's like, oh, what are they eating? Or like, yeah. yeah. It's it's kind of funny. It's also. I think it's funny. Yeah. I mean, it also is like the expectation isn't set for this to catch fire. And no, I don't. To be professional. Totally not. Yeah. yeah. If that were to happen, would you be ready to commit some podcasts? <laughs> <laughs> that's a funny question. As a, as a full time job. <laughs> Full-time podcasting, I would not want to do. I would full-time do full-time podcasting isn't what anyone does. Oh, well, I mean, even Joe. What Rogan, does Joe Rogan do? I guess he he podcasts probably like maybe two hours every like three days or every. Oh, that's it. But I think Sam Harris does like every day. Yeah, well, I guess Joe Rogan also does comedy and yeah. also has all these other things and like. You know, but I I would. I like the idea. And he does the UFC thing. He does yeah, yeah, yeah. Food, and I worked out. Yeah. <laughs> He's not things. I he's like got the, the best idea. life. I think he's got the best. He's got life. one of the very. He's got a very good life. Yeah. I like what the very bad wizards got. Is that ideal yeah. life? I don't know. Oh, is that <laughs> ideal? Yeah. I would like at some point to have a weekly podcast. Oh, it'd be great. I think that'd be fantastic. Yeah. I wonder how podcasts are be going to be doing by the time like where. Yeah. Like real people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, because it's such a new, such a new means of communication. It's a hard thing. Yeah. The Bok Choy. Uh huh. Also, everything is just like, we're kind of, I mean, maybe all times are like this, and maybe the stuff people are, but I feel like we're very much in a time of flux, where we're pushing towards new things at all times. More so now. More so now. Well, I, the rate of change is the fastest now than it's ever been in I don't history. think more so. I think maybe it just comes more readily because of technology. And technology I enables it. Yeah, to, yeah. So it's, kind of, yeah. it's just like what's happening. I think it's the push for newer things, so I yeah. just... 
I just don't know what kind of, no one can know what kind of media people are going to be consuming in five, ten years. Just think about this, think about this, right, like in the year 1800, there was like no conception of like people working in technology and like the fact that the smartest people would be there at like, uh, let's say pre, let's say 1700, right? Like, and most people were subsistence farmers or worked at the church or were, worked in the army, right? Now we have billions of people, sorry, billions of people on the planet and millions of them are like, of the smartest people are devoted to developing new technology and we have this entire financial system that puts billions and billions and billions of dollars behind these crazy new technologies and then they happen. It's like the most, it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. It's just mad, it's the, it's the epitome of like manifestation of idea, of creation basically. Yeah, of creation, which is really interesting. Um, I think for me, what was so interesting about working in like for a growth stage uh, firm is getting to be a part of that. It's like working with ideas that are in the midst of taking off and just like pouring jet fuel on them. Or, or sorry, pouring oil, pouring oil on the fire, or like lighting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, do you feel better suited to being on the financial side as opposed to the invention side? Like, are you? Do you think you're better off in the growth stage equity role as opposed to the venture creation role? Uh, if I have an idea that I really think is good, I will do it. I will go for it. Mm. I don't know if or when that will happen. So you see yourself an entrepreneur at some point, potentially? Potentially could be an entrepreneur, or if I like it, I, like, uh, the most likely scenario is if I like someone else's idea a lot and they're just getting started, I'll be like, hey, I have these years of experience helping advise and, and invest in you know, tons of companies that have gone through exactly this, why don't you bring me on as something, uh, and then I can do that. And it's not so important to me that I came up with the idea myself. Yeah, I, it shouldn't be. I would want to just I empower also, a full idea. I also think it shouldn't be important to want to be a CEO. I don't need to be a CEO. Yeah. I want some level of responsibility. I don't need, in fact, the CEO is, you know, you got to deal with lots of annoying stuff as CEO. It's most, in the start of being the CEO is mostly like pitches. I feel yeah. like. I'd rather be chief strategy officer than CEO. Yeah, any day of the week I'd be chief strategy officer over CEO. Because the little pay difference is not a big deal. Yeah, I think that's a big factor in my ideal life. I mean, money not be a factor in my decision making. I think that's really important to me. Yeah. No, I'm that's not fair. saying I'm not saying that's true right now. But it will be. No, I'm not saying it even will be. I'm saying that's ideal. I'm saying ideal, whatever. Yeah. I'm saying whatever I'm doing, I want to just be able to do what I want. Money's no object, which is a really you know. But yeah. who doesn't want that? Everyone wants that. But I really want that. I think to an extent, I want that. I, that, that doesn't mean for me like I want a private jet. Let me buy one. No, me neither. Yeah, I want it to be like if I want to travel somewhere or buy my children a present or like go out to a nice dinner, I don't have to think about like, oh, am I not gonna make this month's rent? I just want freedom. I don't want yeah. excess so much. That's Except what I want. Clothes, yeah. I think I want really nice clothes. I think I deal like, like I have like, like I want some connection to fashion in that I want, yeah. 
you know, I want to be interacting with it at the highest level. Is what I mean. Yeah, like, I like. I want to be fair. like. I want to be one of the movers behind the cultural aspects. Yeah, that, ideally, ideally. I think for me, my splurge is like travel. I want to be able to go on multiple big trips every year for uh, however long. Do you want to travel to see or travel to do both? Okay, easy both. See, do, experience. All the above. I'm really interested. So this summer, I'm still working on my travel plans, but I'm, I'll probably have about two months to travel. Um, and something I'm really excited for is traveling to Israel, which I fully intend to do for at least a week. Okay. And what will be so cool about it is I spent over a year in Israel, but all the time I was, I had like a central thing going on. Like I was studying during my gap year, I was working during so my home summer. Base Tel Aviv. Home base Tel. I want to go home base Tel Aviv for at least a week. And I won't feel like if I go to any other place, I'll be like, I gotta go see the museums, go do the hike, and do this and do that. And I like that about traveling. But Israel will be <laughs> like a vacation where I already know what what where everything is, and I'll just be like returning, and I'll just like eat great food, and like go to the beach, and then like go out at night, and just like see friends. And like, hopefully, read a lot and listen to lots of podcasts. Where in Israel would you want to travel? I feel like I have an amazing time in Tel Aviv, yeah. but I don't necessarily want to. Yeah. Like, honestly, I like Jerusalem. I didn't love being there as much. I think Tel Aviv is a great city to live in. It's also yeah. very young. It's yeah. like really energized. It's. I, I think it's just yeah, like a good place. It's for for my gap year. I'm glad I was in Jerusalem, uh, and then for my summer, I'm, I was glad I was in Tel Aviv. Yeah. Why are you glad you're in Jerusalem for Gap Year? I was able to. I think if I was in Tel Aviv, I would have ended up just like going to the beach and just like drinking beer and bumming around in a good way, but also in a way where I wouldn't, I maybe wouldn't have like challenged myself as much. Uh, there's something cool about being in Jerusalem, like being in you know, the markets, or just, I also just love, we were right next to a park, and me and my friend, we just go play basketball, after, and we like walk home from class every day, and it's like through this residential neighborhood, like Jerusalem has a really interesting character to it, that it, I just haven't seen anywhere else in the world. And maybe, that's because I lived there for nine months, but also maybe there's something really special about it. Special how? Different how? It's such an old city. Like it's so old, and there's so many old stuff, and then there's also some really new stuff. Um, and it's like super residential right now. And I, it's also very interesting because I've gone there about six times as like a kid or a teenager with my family, and did one thing. And I lived had a completely different lived experience during uh, my my nine months there. And I just like know the streets like the back of my hand right now, which is like crazy. I could like well, I could do like multiple miles of like a walk in Jerusalem with like nothing right now, and that's insane. Would you feel? Or did you feel unsafe at any times? No, no. Even though it was the most unsafe time in the past probably ten years at, in Israel, like we had, there were multiple stabbings um, and like shootings, including someone that I knew, um, or and so, yeah, so just like crazy, crazy things um, happened. But I didn't really feel unsafe so much. Okay. So I think the thing about Jerusalem for me 
is like I like that there's a mix and you kind of get a bit of an Arab city and a yeah. bit of like like kind of like a European city yeah. and like it's just like got like a lot of because it does have that region that's very modern and then you can really yeah. go towards the Western Wall and see some like yeah like stone buildings yeah, and like yeah. some really crazy things and I think that's cool. I think uh, the way they go out at night and just go to the Shook. Yeah, it's I fantastic. Think it's really I love like, the Shook. I think yeah, that's man. lovely. Yeah, I think yeah. that's like a, and just like big speakers and playing the same music everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Just having a bunch of open bars. And yeah, like, you go to the middle, it's like yeah. people like dancing. Yeah. You go like two streets over, it's people just like chilling, smoking hookah. Yeah. Like, and there you kind of do see a lot of cultures interact. Yeah. Especially in the summer when I was there, yeah. you have a lot of Americans coming through all Yeah, yeah, birthright Americans or just general Americans there. Yeah. Yeah. So that was really, that was really interesting. It also was interesting to, I don't know, I felt, it felt weird because at one point when I was at the Western Wall, I went in through like this like kind of like side, side route. One of the side routes through the Arab market. Yeah, and then we got like in and I walked into like the actual wall part that was segmented yeah. through like a side entrance. Yeah, yeah. It was only supposed to be an exit. And I thought there would be keepers further down and I kind of walked down yeah. there and had no keeper. So I started running at me yelling, I was like, I was like, shit, like, I'm yeah, sorry, yeah. like, really my bad. Yeah. And, like, I had to run out and get it, but, like, it was a really crazy thing. Yeah, wow. It sounds crazy, yeah. I just because it was, it was just, like, I'd never been to a place where it'd be such, like, a big deal. That, it's so crazy because, like, someone was charging 2,000 two thousand years ago, you're there, like, no one would, no one's wearing keepers or, like, it wouldn't be a big thing like that. Just because Israel hadn't been established? No, just because keepers weren't, like, a big, uh, they weren't, they're not, like, in the Torah. Really? are not in the Torah at all. I didn't know. So where did they come from? It's like, uh, are are the suits and the hats and the no? That's a that? se- that's a seventeenth century Polish aristocracy garb uh, that they just, yeah really yeah. So, that, so my friends and I we kind of we always joke. We're like, oh my god, it's a member of the aristocracy. Like we always joke. No uh, it was funny. It's a little, a little. I can see how it could be hurtful, but it's also a little bit funny. Yeah, because it's pretty crazy. Like the Haredim are just like yeah. that whole. Like that's a lot, lot of people dress like the aristocracy in the country. For the Torah, that's not. No, 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 no. Of course not. Yeah. That's really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they were like a bunch of like shepherds and farmers. Like no one's wearing those outfits outside in the Middle East. Like no, that's like in Poland and Lithuania in 1700 when reform movements started coming up. They were like, we have to like entrench ourselves and like create all these stringent rules. Like you have to dress this way. You can't. Communicate with the outside world, like that was what like ultra orthodoxy. The concept of orthodoxy, yes, didn't yeah exactly. It didn't exist until the seventeen hundreds, um, because there was no reformer conservative. It was just Jewish, like you were just Jewish, and then there were like people that would study in yeshiva, wow. yeah, and then like the like the, the enlightenment happened, and like in some countries Jews. Like Spinoza was like in Amsterdam and then started like writing shit and then they like expelled him from the community. They're like, your ideas are dangerous. And like they were genuinely worried about intermarriage and just like the concept of Jews being able to marry a non-Jew is so incredibly new in the scheme of Judaism. It's it's just like it makes sense. These were like reactionary movements against that, against Jews being able to get out of the ghetto and engage in the real world. That's what ultra-orthodoxy is a movement against. And by the way, an extraordinarily successful one at that. They replicate like crazy and have crazy high retention rates. And they were almost fully wiped out during the Holocaust. And then there were like 
in the number in the numbers of tens of thousands of Orthodox Jews in Israel in like 1948, and now there's like a million. Well, that's awesome. <laughs> they replicate like in in 70 years. They just like a hundred x. That's cr like yeah. if everyone has nine kids. That's what happened, right? Like nine, and then 81. Like that's just the, that's the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> Nuts. Literally nuts. Yeah. One uh, person turns into, two people turn to 81. And two generations, if you're averaging nine kids. I mean, that's kind of legendary. Like, you're here. And they all stay, and then they all do the same thing. Yeah. And then suddenly, it's not that high. That number is not that high. But honestly, in Nigeria, the number was pretty close to that. The ultra-orthodox number, I think, is like six or something. Still high. So where does the Kiko come from? That's a good question. Um, so... I don't know the exact answer, so I'm going to look it up. I'm going to look it up just because I'm very interested. Yeah, I, uh, I didn't know that. So always accepted that. That's, that's another thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. So when Jew in Jewish law. So. So okay. Wow. Interesting. So the 17th century rabbi. Uh, the Taz, who happens to be like a great great grandfather of mine, is like quoted on Wikipedia here. Um, this is again the 17th century. Yeah. Who was um, a rabbi? Is quoted on Wikipedia? Yes, yeah, quoted on Wikipedia, okay. saying that the reason for the kippah um, was to distinguish Jews from, from non Jews. Uh, and then the Rambam, who was someone a little bit earlier, about 500 years before that, living in Egypt, said that you have to wear a kippah when you're praying. Um, but basically, it came up in Jewish law in the Talmud. So about 2,000 years ago, people started saying, you can't walk without a kippah. Um, and so that's that's when it started. But it's it nowhere because Jews started living around non-Jews. When it was just a purely Jewish community, who cares? Yeah, yeah. But the, the original thing started in the Talmud, and then it became like a really big, it, it became a really big thing. Uh, you know, it's not in the Torah, I guess is the point. Um, yeah. Very, very interesting stuff. When you go to Tel Aviv... Yeah, the tal so the, the one more interesting thing, um, it said that like people who are not married didn't used to wear a kippah. Like that was the original thing. Like, oh, like, you, why, you know, I was like, not married. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, the, the Tanakh itself, like the, the Torah, implies that like head coverings were only used as like a sign of mourning. Like when people died or like when something happened, um, then like people would wear, um, yeah, people would wear it. And a lot of Sephardic communities, um, which is like the exiles from Spain, a lot of people in North Africa, um, some people only eat it when eating and praying, that was like a big custom. Uh, but now, now it's mostly seen as, everyone's like, oh, like this is like a big, a big uh, custom. It's a very funny Curb episode where Funkhauser gets his keeper knocked out. It's very good. Yeah, I watched um, Palestinian Chicken. Yeah, well, that one. Okay, Palestinian Chicken. That's yeah. what I was about to say. Funkhauser gets the keeper knocked off his head, and he was like, "Don't touch my keeper." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's really it's such a funny. Yeah, thing. it's not like a really important object at all. Yeah. Now it has come to become a more important object than originally. It was a throwaway line in the in a couple lines. In or uh, not saying directly to do it, and then like a, someone, you know, wrote about it in the, in the 
And my favorite is the argument outside the chicken place when he's just like, don't wear that in there. Yeah, like, yeah. Why, why are you bring that in there? Yeah. Uh, I thought that was a really funny episode. And then the, the sex scenes between the Palestinian woman and, and oh Yeah, God. yeah. And then at the end, like, fuck me like you fuck my people. Yeah, crazy. <laughs> crazy. <laughs> um, it's funny. It's funny how much of a thing it is. So the other day I was looking at, do you know, like, the Hadids, like Gigi Bella? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I know a lot. Yeah. They're so they're, like, Palestinian and something else. Okay. And, like, I was just thinking, like, wow, like, if we met, would that be a thing? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. like, I don't know. It's, it's kind of weird. Because, like, yeah. I, I yeah. Know, it's just weird that that's, like, a cult, like, a conflict that I'm somehow attached to. Yeah, even though you probably feel like you're not attached to it at all. But I am, you know? But well, you are, yeah. I am. We are. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. a crazy, it's a crazy conflict. So, I don't think we should talk about yeah. stances on that. I agree, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, right, we could, I just think it would be less we, interesting than other conflicts. Yeah, I also think we could, and I think we probably have similar perspectives, yeah. I have to guess. But, yeah. Uh, how, about, how about this? What role does religion play, if any, in your ideal society? In ideal religion, society or in ideal life? Ideal society. Okay, let's, let's so go okay, so I'll jump to ideal society. Yeah, it's good because kind of where we left off uh, last time. Yeah. Um, before I jump to that, I'm gonna run to the bathroom. Let's, let's do a quick pause. Let's do it. I might get more ribs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Dude, this pause. Chinese place is bomb. Yeah. Also, this <laughs> podcast is going so well. This is the right amount of the right amount. And we're going back into it. All right. Uh, we took a little break. Got some. We don't have any sponsors to thank or anything, but I, I guess, guess I guess this is a good time to thank you guys. Sponsors who are watching. Who are watching? Yeah. We'll we'll buy your food and then uh, talk about how good it is. Or if it's shitty, we'll talk about how bad it is. If the guy from You City Grill is watching, hit <laughs> <laughs> me up. <laughs> that we gotta go to like these places. We gotta go to, like Mission Talk and be like, by the way, we got a podcast. We're thinking of doing a food one. You want to give us some free food? I would love to just have like a set of tacos, like one, like one of the, you know, the metal plate things mm-hmm. they have. That would be great. That'd be fantastic. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I mean, I, I think it, it doesn't. It probably would work somewhere. Someone would, someone would, not maybe give us cash, but a restaurant would give us free food. I think. I think we would definitely have to get like. A lot of viewers. I would be, yeah, we would get like some 100 viewers. Yeah, you need like at least no, or just be like, hey, we got a podcast. We're WashU students, we have a podcast that other WashU students um, like watch or listen to. And then we gotta, we'll eat your food. Like you're on the loop or you're in this area, give us some free food and um, we'll plug your place. And like you could watch the podcast, like I guarantee we'll just be sitting there the whole time eating your food for hours, just enjoying it. Everyone's gonna be watching the podcast or listening, be like, damn, I gotta get some of that food. Insert name here, food. Yeah, we can put together a nice little, uh, like a little pitch deck. (laughs) Anyways, uh, so what do you think, if any, is the role of religion in an ideal society? Okay. Does it like play? So it's a good question, very good question. Um, I'm going to take a step back before I, I give you an answer though, because I want to talk about what I think my notion of idealized society would be. Um, I think that the notion of having a 300 million person society like America is like a joke, frankly. I think it's just like so obviously doesn't make sense, um, just because most people don't have the same values and that's, and that's just like a fundamental problem. I think in my idealized notion of society, 
And just to just to be clear, it's not shot in America. It's just no. impossible. Impossible. I think you yeah. cannot have three hundred million like three hundred million. Yeah, that that's great. It's just insane. I like what's the evolutionary biology perspective on that? Because like how big were tribes? Yeah. yeah. Like, you know. Like, so like exactly we're programming tribes for. really generally like fifty to two hundred people is like a tribe size. Um, and then maybe you'll have a few collection of tribes that are like in an association together. And that's the thing that I would say okay. is most closely associated with what I want ideal society to look like, right? I would like it if we had small communities of, and maybe even some people might choose to look, yeah, it's fantastic. I would like it if most of society was organized into small communities, like a few hundred or a couple thousand people where almost everyone, maybe not, know, definitely not knows everyone, but knows of everyone or like has some kind of mutual connection. So everyone can really feel connected to other people. There could be extreme freedom of movement between societies and like different societies would be founded on different types of values. Uh, and I think that's okay. And I think also that something I hadn't really considered before, but I, I thought about after living in New York City this summer, it would also be okay if people were like, I want to live in a vibrant city of a few million people. Um, that could be a society. Like I would think that like New Manhattan or like New York City could be like a city state kind of deal. Um, and then like you could live in like the suburbs of that city state and you have like your own governing body. And like, I really think most things- and everyone's foundation is in some kind of yeah, the society, really yeah. society or community or yeah. whatever you want to call it. And societies would be able to define themselves by values, right? So some societies might be able, might say like, we are a society of Orthodox Jews. That's what we're doing. And like, some societies might say like, we don't have religion in this society. Like, we're going to have public schools, but like, there won't be any religion here. Um, and you could choose which one, and there could be everything in between. Uh, is it, is it... What if someone goes, I want to have a society of neo-Nazis? Do we let them do that and then just not let them be violent? <laughs> like, so what, what is, what is, I think ultimately the answer is people yes. aren't yeah. ideal. I mean, we're no. talking about ideal society now, so... Are we talking about ideal people in ideal society? No, I talking about ideal society, yeah. people. Yeah. I think probably some kind of neo-Nazi society would exist. But, but... Some people were fucked up. Yeah, but what I will say is I would have some kind of strong central government that's not so active in day-to-day -day life, but really does what the original function of the, the federal government of the United States is, which is like to protect the common and to make sure there's no infighting between the commons. Like so, that like the neo-Nazi state isn't like attacking the state of like all like black people that's like not too far away. Do you think, well, first of all, I mean, I imagine in this case there's gonna be some communities that are very like hippy dippy and like yep. anyone come join us. Yeah. Like, like what we do during the day is we like break flowers into our yep. hair. Yeah. And like then there would be some that's like nobody can join. Like, could you? But would this would this governing body say you have to let people leave, but you don't have to let people join? So it would say you definitely have to let people leave. Yeah. That's the most important thing. Um, Letting people join, I, I don't think that's necessarily the case. I don't think you necessarily have to let people join. But then how do you prevent like a hierarchical structure or like very elitist ones that like control resources or things like that? So we're talking really ideal. So because we're doing that, I would imagine, um, I mean, we could talk about the steps it would take to get there, but we're not so far away from having 
like the state takes over Amazon and then just like you could get any you get like a, a amount of credits to spend and like the state provides it to you. Um, no more money? Through no more like basically no more money. Or like or a second type of currency. I think like one of those I think adding in a social credit um, or social currency is like a really good step that America should do, or at least local communities should try. Because uh, I think it could be really cool. What do you mean by social currency? Like, if you're a stay-at-home parent raising children, like, you know, we should compensate you for that. You're doing good, you're, you're taking care of money. Yeah, you're taking care of old people, right? Because you're not providing economic value. I think what sucks about the world today is like, artists and musicians have to be get measured. I mean, this is the hard part about social currency, right? Credit in the first place, but like an artist and musician, it sucks that they're trying to get like economic credit and like and people that work for charities or like that's just not what it should be. In my view, I agree. I think there are some things that it should be though. I think there are some things where the emphasis like should be money. Yeah. I agree. Like financial markets, for sure. For sure. Yeah. So and I think ultimately, so but how do you play with this, idea? this thing for money? So okay, so here's here's my ultimate idea. Okay. Is like in my real idealized notion of society, every like no one would have to work. No one have to work. Everything's automated. Almost everything is automated, and there's a a strong UBI or negative income tax. But okay, something. That makes me that if you are an artist or a stay-at-home mom or dad or taking care of a parent or a sick person, you will be fine. And I think having a social score kind of deal is a useful, or sorry, social credit something is a useful intermediary step. Intermediary step. Although I can see how that could also be botched in a practical world, but we're talking ideal. So. Ultimately, you won't have to work. You probably could work. You could work, like there'll still be things that the world needs to work on, especially as it relates to climate or maybe development of new technology. But in this idealized society, like all food production, clothing production, basic material can be produced like basically fully automated. So within each community, are they gonna have different like, or do they get boxes like of things from the government? Well, if, like let's say the government owns Amazon, you can get anything you want in two days. Basically, yeah, yeah. But but there would be some kind of supply constraint, right? So it might say you have like ten thousand credits per person to spend as a community, right? Or and then people could have work for the government or work for. Yeah, it, it's hard for me to theorize about what's going to happen to the capitalist system, but I imagine in a lot of ways it would look different than it does today if not completely different. Like I, I imagine that some small societies will be like fully communism, but without the worry, like basically the kibbutz, imagine a kibbutz with just like more guaranteed subsidies and stuff. So like people don't have to work so hard. But like you'll have to do basic like house repair and like gardening and like take care of the kids and whatever, but like basic food production or whatever could be like taken care of. For the the main capacity for people will be social. Mm -hmm. That's a big change. That's a, it's a big that's change. a massive change. I it's do a, think there's yeah. actually been a shift in that direction already. Yeah. And I think that the best, um, I'll credit my friend Andy, um, who hopefully will listen to this, um, with like kind of 
getting me onto the idea that the, the good, the, the only real precedent we have for this is is uh, European leisure-based aristocracies, right? Like those societies. If That's you crazy precedent. <laughs> yeah, if you were like a second or third child of like some nobleman a few hundred years ago in Europe, like your life could look like, you know, you like live in like France. Society, like the royal court. Yeah, like right, you go like to the salons, you like talk, you go at night, you like drink, maybe like ride horses or like do whatever the fuck you want during the day. But like you can like read a lot and produce music. Like a lot of these great musicians and writers were from like very wealthy families where they were able to do this stuff. They could just chill. <laughs> so hopefully everyone could do that. There are some people some who people, would yeah. hate that. Some people I, like me. That's the dream. That's literally the most like that's. There's nothing I want more than that. For like a lot of people who love the rat race, who love or who just are don't love social. Yeah. Who don't love socialize. Like who don't like other people as much. But I guess there'd be. And they live in an introverted society. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Play League of Legends all day. Yeah. Other people true, like that. I would. I would like to be in a community where they pick up basketball at all times. Like tons of courts, tons of basketball courts, yeah. and like. Oh, oh, like that type of thing. I'm, I'm kind of joking slightly, but like, I would like that community to be available to me. But like, like not if, my foundation. No, like, yeah, yeah, no, of course. But like, if you have small communities across 300 million people in America, like you will have areas where there's like pickup courts all over. Like, right, like the, something like that. Those kind of things could be created and optimized for. How do you prevent the government from getting corrupt? We're still talking ideal here. Like, there's a lot of practical flaws here. But it's human people. Yeah. I thought we were talking ideal with humans. If ideal with humans is in that, is in that probably, position, they're going to be corrupt in this Probably the day-to-day -day government would, a lot of the day-to-day -day governing decisions would be made by uh, AI. And humans can vote on, like, the program rules for the AI. That's, like, how I would like my local, if my mayor was, like, in AI bot, and like we all put in our preferences, and again, like people are going to select for communities that they like more. Like if, if this was happening practically, like it would start to split based on like social issues and income redistribution and things like that, and like you would you would or like guns or any any type of these things. Well, realistically, at first it probably would split a lot of based on affinity groups, which yeah. I think is a really bad thing. I think that would be bad. I think what you would see is lots of very homogeneous small communities, and then also a bunch of very heterogeneous communities. Old people, for sure, homogeneous. A lot of old people would go homogeneous. That's okay, they'll be dead in not so long. Not a joke. No, for real. Yeah. Side to keep moving. Also, by the way, I think the real best the real, the closest example we have to what society would look like today, and like using our world of today, like retirement communities in Florida, except with like twenty-year-olds instead of seventy-year-olds. Like you go, like you can play instead of playing golf, you can like go for runs, and like maybe you like drink and party more instead of like playing mahjong and going to sleep at six. But like the same type of deal yeah, is and retirement. It would be a place that doesn't, you know, that feels happy and mm -hmm. not like that. Yeah, because everyone wouldn't be dying. Yeah. Well, because those places always have the worst vibe yeah. of all time. Yeah, but imagine the same setup as a retirement home, except with like 20 year olds. Like, it would just be incredible. It would just be parties. It would just be mayhem. That why mayhem. I mean, you'll, it will settle in. Well, I guess some would be mayhem. Some would be mayhem, some would not. 
Some would be like people playing the mo imagine like the uh, one thousand most advanced really chess funny. players in America yeah. are just like they like they're here like every day like playing chess or like doing different stuff and just like that could be a thing. Anybody board games every day in a community? Like that's where I want to live. Someone could say that or like you know I want to like write lots of different music or like create movies or something. But there needs to be a forum for distribution of everything. Yeah. From all these yeah. I mean, there, are there are logistical problems, no doubt. No, but in terms of being ideal, mm -hmm. in order for it to be ideal, the people who are playing chess and pushing that game further need a way to like be like, hey, everyone else, like these, the internet. These are, yeah, these the are internet. The internet. Yeah, You've heard yeah, of it? Yeah. Yeah, 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 for sure. But like, uh, but like, what's what's the social media? Instagram. Community? Do communities have pages? I don't know. It's interesting. It's an interesting thought. It's interesting. I do think... I mean, we are the first people to have experienced the internet. Have you heard of it? That's funny. Yeah. yeah. We're the first people. No, for real. Yeah. Uh, it was funny when you were like a distribution system for like movies and music. I'm like... Yeah. I know one. Um, <laughs> it's like, how are we going to ship them? Like FedEx? How do think FedEx? <laughs> I think there's just awareness. Uh, but the internet. Yeah. It's funny how the internet works in terms of just like. All right, one thing. One thing I wonder about a lot is how are my preferences cultivated for me? Yeah, and I don't know. The internet's probably the most organic thing that's ever existed. One of yeah, probably yeah. Um, but <laughs> and organic, it, it's <laughs> inorganic features are also organic in that are, are like natural to humans, right? That we naturally do inorganic things to ourselves in the same way that we're doing it with computers. Like we'll put like, there'll be like trolls and like spam farms and shit. Yeah. Because like we do that to ourselves. What's your favorite page on Instagram that you follow? I don't use Instagram. You don't have one? I don't have, I don't know if I have one. I like categorically don't use social media. It's, I, I will like make events on Facebook because it's a good way of disseminating knowledge yeah. when there's an event, but I never like scroll through photos I now post my blogs on Facebook. I don't use it for anything. I don't think I've posted anything besides for blogs in the past two years. I didn't post, I have hundreds of photos from abroad. I was like, I'm not gonna post these, they're for me. If anyone's interested in them, they can ask me to see my abroad photos, or if it comes up, I'll show them. I don't need to plaster them on the internet. Everyone's like, oh, look what he did, or this or that. I have crazy photos, like, you know. I'd love to see them. We'll look. I'll we can look. I'll, I'll maybe have some highlights. You can put them up. Uh, I would love to see them. But the I thing is, like, put the them thing up is, is if you had an Instagram account called like Ben's Photos or called Picks by Ben or you know, and then not tell people about it. And yeah, then not tell people more. Like, and then if I search, if I search you and I just see photos, like why is that? Why is that a thing to shy away from? Why is that? Because I think of the thing a lot of people are. Uh, I think a lot of people are like distasteful about in terms of like Instagram or social media. It's just very like masturbatory and self-obsessive and things yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you if you just take these amazing photos and then want to share them and just want yeah. to put them out there, like don't worry about likes and don't worry about like yeah. the, that aspect of it. What's yeah? What it's not even what's wrong. It's like what's not right. Like I feel like everything about that is yeah. done properly. It's like yeah, like that way and. I, in that case, I'm even pro having to be like public and not private, yeah. you know, and just posting it. And that way, if someone randomly stumbles upon your page with pictures, it's like, cool, they get to enjoy them. I'm not, okay, I'm not sure, so a couple things. I like taking a ton of photos. 
I'm not sure how much I love the idea of spending time like curating albums for Instagram. And I don't like the idea of having like the app. I'm mostly I'm averse to having the app on my phone because I don't want to look at other people's pictures. I don't care. I use it mostly as like a touch point into other things. Like I, these days I very, uh, like other photos of people I know is like a small percentage of my Instagram feed, like, like minuscule, like tiny. Yeah. I, maybe I, maybe you can coach me. I also avoid Snapchat, like it's the blank. Yeah, I don't like Snapchat either, but I, I wish I'd liked it more, honestly. Why? I think it's a nice medium of communication. I think it's nice in that it's it's like the it's like the soft network of social medias. You yeah. Know? You know, let's say let's say texting is like like strong ties. I like love Snapchat's the definition of like weak ties. So I I basically I like how you frame that because I don't use Snapchat and I text often, I'm like always texting, and I think it helps me maintain probably a lower volume of relationships, but higher quality. Yeah, 100%, in a way. 100%, that makes sense, because like, like I, I'm kind of just averse to the concept of like taking a picture and then writing streaks on it and sending it to like 50 people. Yeah. But like it's a way of maintaining weak ties, and I think that's something that's really important to do. And that's not something that I'm like good at or I like doing, and that's something I wish I did more. I, I'm not so interested in maintaining weak ties. Yeah, I can understand like that. Like, there's a difference between strong ties of people who are not here, where my actual strategy is just like, if I haven't spoken to them in a month, I just like check. And I'm just like, oh, I haven't spoken to this person in a month. Like, I'll just like literally go through a list of people who I feel close to. And if I haven't like spoken with them recently, then I'm just like, oh, I will text that person. We'll schedule a time to talk. Go FaceTime. And then, like, when I'm in the same city or same location as them, like, we'll just hang out and it'll be great. But, like, I have no interest in seeing what they ate last night or what costume they wore in the park. Like, I, I just don't give a shit. <laughs> I, like, I have no interest in what anyone not here, like, drank last night. Like, I, I just don't care. And, like, I, not that I don't care, I just care about a lot of things more. I relatively don't care. Yeah. I should stop posting pictures of myself. I should just start posting other things. Maybe perhaps. I don't I don't know. I don't know. I'm like a literally a tech grandpa. I like don't have these accounts. I just don't know. Yeah, no, I, I see what you mean though. But what what if that person who you're close with like wrote a song and then doesn't want to be like doesn't want to be that person that's texting you even though like I'm sure you would love that if someone texted me was like hey man like wrote a song like, I would love to be checked out I'm sure you'd be like a thousand percent like, yeah 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 you gonna do that but like let's say that person doesn't want to do that and you want to have a means of like checking in well I like if they post it on face their Facebook you're saying or like how would yeah if they post it on their Facebook I post would, it on their Instagram I, I wouldn't would see it right um I would if they just posted a song on their Instagram I wouldn't see it I just am not so, I, if a person, I would feel like I would be there for, if, if one of my close friends. That's fair. Like, if one of my 20 closest friends wrote a song, I just, I just think I would, I think I would, do would come just, up. You just, it would come I, up. Yeah, you would come, I'd be like, what are you up to in, like, life or something, like, I wrote a song. Yeah. And yeah. I, like, message groups, like, I started, mm -hmm. like, when I started a blog, it's like, posted them in groups. And I fully, when we release the podcast, I'll do the same thing. I like that really stuff. So yeah, uh, I do. But I guess from my side of things, I think 
like I definitely think there's a good number of people that like I really know. But I think it's good to maintain with the people that you like kind of know. I think there's yeah, I yeah, think there's yeah. benefits in that. So and it's something that I'm bad at. It's something that I don't do well. It's something like if I'm not like the thing the thing that I would do is if I were to sit sit down and like, talk to that person who I kind of know, even if it was just for like an hour, like I would leave that and I would know them. Like I'm not necessarily well, but better. Yeah, I'm, like better yeah. than probably most people in that situation because like I'm down to like get deep about shit just generally. Yeah, but I'm bad at like I'm bad at like. Like saying what up or like keeping tabs yeah. or like you know yeah. things like that. Yeah, like like the wee thing. So what's what's interesting is like I have a, a bit a different perspective than this I'm than you do. In that during my sophomore year, I think sophomore year especially, I was like probably had the widest number of people in my in my social network, and I feel like I spent a ton of time uh, just like hanging out, just like checking the box, like, oh, I gotta make sure to hang out with this person. I haven't seen them in a couple weeks, even if I didn't enjoy it so much. Uh, and I, but like, I kept like a crazy wide net of like people who I was seeing once or twice a month. Um, and like senior year, especially this semester, I have just been like, fuck it, like, fuck it. Like if I don't like actively want to see you, I don't need to like look at a list and be like, oh, who did I forget to like hang out with? Like, I just like, I just will know because like I miss this person's presence, and I f felt more that I've been able to continue curating and engaging in more high quality relationships. Even meeting some new people or getting to know some new people better, but only the people who I want to be hanging out with, not because I haven't seen them in a while. And and you know them, and I know them. Yeah, <laughs> like it, it's funny that for like. It, you, my sophomore year, I was like, oh, I know these people. I need to make sure I'm keeping tabs on them and, like, whatever. And now it's like, if I don't, like, really genuinely enjoy spending time with you, like, sure, like, it's great. Like, I'll say hi. Like, we're at a party together or, like, if whatever, if we run into each other. But, like, I'm not – I used to always be like, oh, it's been so long. Let's, like, grab a meal. Just by default. By like, default, yeah. I would always say that. And then it would happen and sometimes I would be happy with it. And sometimes I'd be like, fuck, I know. Like, like, what, like, what are we doing here? Like, the concept of, of and like, yeah. I look back and I'm like, <laughs> I went on like meal dates with people that were like chores. They were like, oh, I gotta get lunch with like this person. Like, not that I didn't like them. It's just like, I don't want to be doing this. And then, <laughs> like, for real, just to keep tabs, you know? No, I love that. And, it's to, and to have really strong relationships. I'm like, but I don't genuinely enjoy this. What's going on? Yeah. I think especially when I came back senior year, I was just like completely, and a lot of it has to do with like getting out of not being as involved in organizations on campus where like I had leadership positions or was like trying to get leadership positions. So I felt like I need to say connect. Like now I'm just like, fuck that shit. Like if I don't <laughs> like hanging out with you, you will not find me hanging out with you and don't expect texts. I like that. I like that so much, honestly. Yeah. So, and I don't think I'll offend anyone because I don't think anyone who would get to this point in the podcast would fall in that group. For, you know? for sure. If they knew, I apologize, but I, I don't think so. If you get, if I you don't really far, apologize. No, but yeah. if you get, if you got this far in the podcast, then grab it. If you got, yeah, let's have dinner as a categorical rule. If you're this far in the podcast, <laughs> it's gonna be like my parents are gonna. Yeah. Yeah. It's so fun. Ah. I can I can almost bet money that if I send this to my dad that he'll watch the woman. Yeah, I think my I think my parents would. 
think my grandparents definitely will. I have a few. I have, a, I have like ten people who I think will look. Like the first say, ones. I can. I can say like a bunch of people who I think will look at it. I just can't guarantee they'll it. get through the whole yeah. thing. Yeah, I mean, I, if they don't get through the whole thing, though, that's not on them. From my perspective, we that's need to be on us. Yeah, we, we need to be, be more engaging. Yeah. Yeah. Because if, if we can get people looking at it, yeah, then you know we kind of did our job there. So let's let's do it. Let's post it because I feel like we're we're kind of wrapping this up. But yeah. I I think. Like for anyone still watching or listening, like if you got back. this far, tell us what you liked. Tell, tell us what, what you like. Yeah, for real. Like I, we don't know because we're doing this for the I guess the second time now. But you know, first borderline third. Borderline third. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, you don't want to know what happens in the first podcast. Uh, but um, but yeah, I think we're. I think that hopefully the sound quality was good. And the video quality, I think, I think like these things, yeah. these things are being worked out. I hope we're getting there. If you, if anyone did make it this far, like please genuinely tell us what you don't like. We won't be upset about it. I, I will be happy. I'll be happier if you tell me what you don't like than what you do. Honestly, yeah. Yeah. Um, thanks thanks for we'll watching. Just make Thank you for watching. That's Have dinner. A good night. That's dinner. <laughs> I love that. I love that so much. Honestly, that was great. I like that ending. I like. I like the way.